Hello and welcome to K Sarah Sarah, the FA Cup podcast which takes you closer to some of the most fascinating stories surrounding the oldest cup competition in football. It might have started over 150 years ago, but the FA Cup is still something that so many people care about, and that is precisely what this podcast will aim to show. I'm your host, George Wilson, and I'll look to bring you interviews and discussion in every single episode. Yet another round of this season's FA Cup is complete, and what a round it was too. I hope you've caught your breath after the two thrilling nights of knockout football that we were served up earlier this week. I'll be honest with you, and I'll admit that I wasn't expecting to see too many surprise results. When I looked at the round five fixtures before a ball was kicked, I I just wasn't picking out where it was going to come. And I was wrong and very pleased to be proven wrong too, because we saw some really entertaining games which culminated in some great cup stories. I'll come on to talk more about Grimsby Town later in the episode because, oh my goodness, the Mariners just keep on producing the goods in this year's competition. But before I do that, I want to go back to the most significant result from Tuesday evening when we saw Blackburn Rovers of the Championship knock out 2021 FA Cup winners Leicester City at the King Power Stadium, of course. It finished 2-1 to Blackburn on the night and it means that John Dale Thomason's side are into the quarterfinals for the first time since 2015, so eight years. Blackburn fan Linz Lewis was part of the pretty loud Blackburn away section at the King Power on Tuesday and once her voice had recovered and settled down a bit, Linz was very happy to join me to reflect on what was a quite memorable night. Linz, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. We're speaking around about 48 hours on from what must have been a brilliant night out in Leicester for everyone associated with Blackburn Rovers. Can you put the result into some context and tell anyone listening just how much that victory meant because it it might not look as big of a scalp as the Grimsby one at Southampton and perhaps isn't but yeah it still must have meant so much to you and the Blackburn supporters. Yeah it's a huge scalp for us so I think anybody that doesn't follow Rovers to put it into context we haven't been out of the first round of the Carabao Cup or the third round of the FA Cup for five years I think it is um and, you know, all football fans love a cup run, don't they? We all, you know, you all want that day out somewhere you've not been to or, you know, you want that scalp. So, yeah, Tuesday was incredible. Um, and yes, Grimsby is a fantastic result, but that doesn't take away from the the magic in the air at Leicester on Tuesday night. What can you tell me about your emotions as the night went on and... Yeah, I mean, I was a wreck. How how, yeah. how it felt at the full time whistle? You were a wreck. You were saying I was. I was a wreck. Yeah. So I I had said we would win. 
I tweeted out beforehand we would win. We were 10 to 1 to beat Leicester, which I thought was outrageous. So I did also have some money on us to win. So I was fairly confident we were going to do all right until we actually started to play really, really well. And then I was just gone because actually... (laughs) It was it was the reality of we could do this. And for the first 60 minutes, for anyone that didn't see the game, we were the much better side. Um, and you wouldn't have known the the golfing quality and league position in budget. We were superb. Then they made some changes that made it a little bit nervy and obviously got their goal back. Um, and Rovers historically aren't very good at holding on. But they did. Um, but yeah, definitely that last six minutes of injury time were probably six of the worst minutes of my life, to be honest. <laughs> it's interesting with Leicester because when I did the preview for the round that has just passed, I kind of spoke about this game and said the fact that Leicester have been there before less than two years ago and gone all the way could mean they have the edge in it. And obviously that turned out not to be the case. But is that something you were thinking about when the likes of Ian Acho, I know it, he pulled one back, didn't he? And, the, and they were bringing other players on it. Is that kind of only natural that that comes to your mind? What was coming to your mind? Uh, yeah, it's a strange one. I think with when the draw came out, we kind of thought, well, they've got nothing else to play for this season with the greatest of respect to them. They're not, you know, going down, but they're not challenging for Europe. So why would you not throw it all in? Um, and then when we saw the team, we were kind of like, oh, okay, there's a bit of a chance here. But I always find it interesting that big teams or bigger teams leave their quality players on the bench, wait to go behind and then choose to bring them on. Um, you know, sometimes that works amazingly successfully, but other times it doesn't. And obviously, thankfully for us on Tuesday, it didn't. But if you want to win, start with your best 11 for me and then take them off. Get yourself three or four in front and then take them off. Why go 2-0 down? And mm. There's a little bit of an arrogance there, I think, for me, that they thought they could drop who they could drop. And and Rogers spoke really nicely about us before the game, but his 11 didn't suggest he took us that seriously. It's an interesting point about um, the starting lineups because Man United have obviously are another team to have made it to the quarters. And I think I mentioned it on this podcast, like after the third or maybe after the fourth round now, Eric Ten Hag has actually taken it really seriously. And obviously they, they've had success in the League Cup as well. So I, I do I do think it has a serious impact, like you say. And I suppose that was foolish from Leicester because Blackburn were going into it. Had you won your previous three? Yeah, so we're I think we're unbeaten in 10 in all competitions. Um, yeah. And we've won our last three games. So we played QPR the Saturday before and beat them 3-1. And again, it could mm. have been five or six. Um, and then coming into Leicester full of confidence. And as I say, Rogers said all the right things. But on the night, waited to go 2-0 down before bringing on some of his bigger hitters. And, you know, it's great that suits us. But if I was a Leicester fan, I'd be asking what's going on, I think. I want to ask you about your manager, John Dahl Thomason, because he came in at the start of this season for Tony Mowbray. And you, you've just mentioned there, um, before we started recording, actually, that Blackburn, you think, should have finished in the playoffs last season, didn't, and then Mowbray was moved on. But what do you think the Blackburn fans' expectations of Thomason were when he came in? Because surely he has exceeded them with what you've managed up to this point 
It's a really difficult one. So we call him JDT for easiness, just mm. for the pronunciations. Um, <laughs> yeah. He has given us some amazing moments this season and he has given us some absolute dross. And we have had <laughs> some drubbings. You know, we were beaten 3-0 away by Burnley, our biggest rivals. We were beaten 4-1 at home by Preston. Um, I've stood in many an away end this season, having lost 2-0, 3-0, not had a shot on goal. Um, so there have been some real low points but you've caught us and me at a time when we're on this brilliant run um everyone's feeling really positive um if you had offered us fourth in the league as it stands and an FA Cup quarter final at the beginning of the season we would have bit your hand off mm-hmm. but at the same time we have seen some real rubbish and when you're paying the prices we all pay and doing the miles we all do it's a real balancing act between being grateful for the run but also wanting more but you don't want to be kind mm-hmm. of greedy with it um but yeah last season was the season for me I think we we should have made the playoffs and we didn't and I think that's one of the reasons that it was mutually agreed that Tony Mowbray would move on I think it's only natural to be greedy for more though isn't it because um it's the quality of football I think it's you know it's some some of what we've watched has been really really poor and he calls it a project and he's really honest about that that this is a long-term project but it's very difficult when you're on the terraces having paid the ridiculous prices that they charge in the championship having traveled the ridiculous miles sometimes to see that bigger picture um Mm. but when you're winning and when you're doing well you're like yeah I totally get it I'm all for the project if it takes three years it takes three years and and that's the mood we're all in at the moment and they're trying really hard at Rovers to do promotions to get people in and they discounted our tickets for Leicester so it was 20 quid they made them a tenner they took the cost for that to encourage more Mm. people to go so they're reading the room and understanding that you know we want to get behind the team and they're trying to make that as easy as possible which is nice and something they don't always do. You're right with a project though because even with that and being prepared to accept that it's going to take longer term, you you still want to see indications that you're moving towards that point, don't you? So I suppose if you haven't seen that, then you're well within your rights to yeah suggest it hasn't been good enough. But as you, as you said, you're you're in a good moment at the moment. Um, we are. The draw has been made for the quarterfinals. It's Sheffield United, so a Championship rival away for Blackburn what were your initial thoughts when you saw that draw last night I mean it was just wonderful to have an interest to begin with because usually by this point we've been out for two rounds um it, it was a really tough one. I think a lot of us wanted a bigger team and a really fun away day. And then the other part of you goes, actually, we are one game from Wembley um, and Rovers are one of a handful of teams that haven't played at the new Wembley. So we'd really mm-hmm. like to break that. Um, and yeah, it's on paper, it's probably the second easiest game, I would guess, after Grimsby. But Sheffield United battered us away from home at the beginning of the season. And I read something today, we haven't won at Bramall Lane since 1994. I don't know if that's wow. true, but I've never seen us win at Bramall Lane and I've been a fair few times. Um, but there's also <laughs> another stat flying around that the twice we've made to cup finals previously, we've played a Sheffield side and beaten them. So there's lots okay. of people offering lots of <laughs> stats around that. Um, I'm very nervous just because it's so close, but if they play the way they play on Tuesday, they should fear no one, even if they've got mm. one of the bigger teams, bar in Man City probably. I wouldn't have feared anybody in that draw because they were sensational. Yeah, and 
do you think the fact that it's probably likely you'll go in as slight underdogs at Bramall Lane, e- even though it's an all championship clash, do you, do you like the fact that you'll have that tag and it will be a case of going in not with a lot of pressure on it, with people maybe expecting Sheffield United to win it, given their high league position and knocking Spurs out, even though the Leicester scout was just as, if not more impressive? Yeah, I think it's it's a great squad um, who really believe in each other and are happy to just kind of be under the radar, be really good mates, really look after each other, but don't necessarily want a lot of attention. And I would argue it's kind of the same with the fan base at the moment. Everyone's doing their best to unite, get behind the club, put any differences we may have on or off the pitch to one side because it really does feel like there's something building and this is the right time of year to come into form and it's a very unrovers thing. We usually capitulate in January and February and you've got nothing to play for. Whereas this feels like actually we've got a chance in the league, we've got a chance in the cup. That's really, really special. Um, So yeah, continue to underestimate us because we love that. And as we've already touched on, you said how desperate you are to see Blackburn Rovers at Wembley in those semi-finals. I'm going to ask a question now. I don't know if you would have thought about this, but... Burnley play against Manchester City in round six, which is a a tough task. But how would you feel if you made it through against Sheffield United and Burnley found a way through Manchester City and it was a East Lancashire derby at Wembley in those semi-finals? How how would you feel going into that? (laughs) I mean, it's a really tough one because I don't like to be nice about them, but obviously they have been fantastic this season. Um, I think it would be a logistical nightmare. I think it would be a policing nightmare. And I think it would probably, the vast, vast majority of fans on both sides are really, really sensible. But Mm -hmm. there's always a small minority that take things too far. And actually... If we get to Wembley, I want to be able to go and enjoy my day and go Mm. and enjoy my weekend. And by weekend, I mean, I will be going to London for four days and (laughs) I will be having the time of my life. And I think if it's an East Lancs derby, it probably gives another dynamic to it that some people may love. But for me, having gone to like Burnley away this season, being bust in, being bust out, being police escorted. I don't really mm-hmm. want all that drama at Wembley. Um, and clearly, I hope they get beat by City. And this isn't <laughs> in the same way any of them are listening. I clearly hope we're going to get beaten yeah. by Sheffield United. So um, I did smile when the draw came out. Um, you know, good luck to City, I think is my, <laughs> is my message. But I put don't a full strength that... side out, Pep. That's what you need to do. Put your best <laughs> 11 out. Yeah, I don't think Manchester City will need much luck in that one for some reason. I think they'll find a way. But as you said there, Burnley have been very impressive, haven't they? So um, stranger things have happened. that They could go there and pull off a real shock. Finally then, Linz, we've touched on the prospect of Wembley and you know those semi-finals are in sight. And I really hope for your sake that you find your way there. I want to give you the opportunity now to promote the podcast that you work on and you appear on balls to it a lancashire football podcast what what can you tell me about that and what can people find on there if they want to check it out 
I mean, the name still makes me smile and it's and it's my podcast. Um, so, yeah, it's a new project. There's only four episodes out at the moment. So we release weekly. It's uh, BBC Sounds or anywhere that you find your podcast. And it's essentially just a group of Lancashire football fans who all happen to be women um, discussing football, life, sport. Um, it's topical. It's just about our love of the game. Um, and I'm biased because obviously I'm on it, but I love them, um, you know, and they make me laugh. And it's just a really, really interesting group of people. So it's been received really, really well so far. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if people can go and have a listen and, and let me know what they think. They'll find me harassing someone on Twitter about it. So, um, but yeah, we're we're very, very proud of it. Sounds like a really good and laid back listen. So I think, yeah, it's one to go and check out. And obviously Blackburn have got so much still to play for this season, as have, I'm sure, the the other clubs involved in that pod. So yeah, we've got a Burnley fan, so she's she's delighted, a Blackpool fan <laughs> and a Morecambe fan. And obviously, um, you know, they've got different things to play for this season. So we're getting some interesting perspectives on promotion, relegation, a club with no owners, a club with poor owners in our case. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different, different views. Absolutely. Sounds good. Anyway, Linz, I'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your time. And like I said earlier, I, I hope Bramall Lane is a, another fun night out for you. And yeah, you, you get that Wembley trip finally. Thank you very much. Me too. It would definitely appear to be a pretty good time to be a Blackburn Rovers supporter at the moment. And we shall see. Maybe their run in this competition can continue in a couple of weeks' time. Lynn's mentioned just how keen she and so many Blackburn fans are to see their team play at Wembley. It's interesting. Rovers are one of only six teams in the top four leagues in England so in the 92 to have never visited the new Wembley since it opened 16 years ago. And I suppose there's a chance, of course, this year that they could go there twice or possibly even three times. I mentioned a few results and a couple of spoilers regarding the draw for the quarters in that chat with Linz, but we'll certainly still go over them now just to look a bit deeper into the context surrounding them. The only team to start with is, of course, Grimsby Town. This time last year, the Mariners were ninth in the National League. The playoffs were still a possibility, but it probably wasn't expected that promotion would be on the cards for them. A year on, they've experienced a quite incredible playoff campaign to return to the EFL. And now, around about six months on, they're in the last eight of the FA Cup. Six months on from the playoff campaign. I mean, it's a year in total to now that they're in the last day at the FA Cup, but it is just a truly remarkable story. They achieved it, of course, by beating Southampton 2-1 on Wednesday night. It was Gavin Hollihan, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, I think I have, with two penalties on the night. That put the Mariners two in front, and they withstood some late pressure from the hosts to hold on and secure what will be a famous win Um, and will be spoken about for many, many years to come. It's significant as well because Grimsby are the first side in FA Cup history 
to eliminate five teams from a higher division than them in a single campaign. That's from the first round onwards. I saw that statistic on social media. Sam Allen retweeted it. I think that's how it was brought to my attention. But they've had more mentions than most teams in these podcast episodes because of the consistent shock results that they've been pulling off. Commiserations to Harry, the Saints fan we had on last week. But I think it's fair to say Wednesday was Grimsby's night. It was a brilliant result, even when you consider what Southampton have been like this season and how they played on the night. It was just quite incredible to see. And the 4,000 Grimsby fans who made the long trip down on a midweek clearly loved every single second of it. So well done to them. However, they weren't the only team to pull off a big shock on that same evening. I also have to give a special mention to Sheffield United. They beat Tottenham Hotspur 1-0 at Bramall Lane. It was Illiman Ndai who scored the only goal with just over 10 minutes left. And then I think the Blades fans came into effect. They roared their team over the line. A great result for Paul Heckingbottom's side, even though Heckingbottom had to watch from a higher view and not down in the dugout. But Sheffield United are going so well in the league this season as well. So really positive night for them. A really poor one for Spurs, though. They're probably going to go another season without a trophy now unless they manage to go all the way in the Champions League, which, to be honest, feels very unlikely at this point. When I spoke to Linz, of course, she made the point about selection when she said about Leicester and how Brendan Rodgers had approached that game. I think with this game, you've also got to talk about that because Harry Kane, Tottenham's all-time record goal scorer, and clearly their star player was left on the bench. Yes, he came on, but what does that say about how you're approaching something if you leave your best player on the bench? You know, only two games from Wembley, lots of teams out of the competition. Was it a good chance to win this year's FA Cup for Spurs? I think it probably was. That chance has now gone. So those were the three headlines. But in terms of who will make up the other quarterfinal spots, going back on the two nights, on Tuesday, we have Brighton. They came away from their potentially tricky trip to Stoke with a 1-0 victory. We also had Manchester City winning convincingly at Bristol City. 3-0 was the final score at Ashton Gate, as well as Fulham beating Leeds United 2-0 at Craven Cottage. Something else I will mention is two brilliant goals scored by Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City and João Paulinho of Fulham in those respective games. Worth going and checking out if you haven't seen the highlights. Then, as well as Grimsby and Sheffield United's terrific wins on Wednesday, we also saw Manchester United come from behind at Old Trafford. They beat West Ham United 3-1 in the end. And Fleetwood Town, their excellent cup run, sadly came to an end at Burnley. And it was Connor Roberts scoring in the last minute of normal time to settle it 1-0 at Turf Moor. And that result at Burnley was quite significant. Okay, it was always going to be a team from outside the Premier League coming through that one. But in the grand scheme of things, it means that half of this season's quarter-finalists are from outside the Premier League. Four out of eight. That's compared to last season when only two non-top flight sides were involved in the quarters. Those two teams last season were Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest. Forest obviously going on to become a Premier League team. So 
this season feels significant, like I say, with half of those teams being made up of non-prem sides. Thankfully, we're not going to have to wait too long at all for those quarter-final ties to take place. The order of when the games will be played and which games will be on which channels and everything like that is still to be announced. But one thing we can be fairly certain on at this point is that they'll all take place between the 17th and the 20th of March. If you listen closely to my chat with Linz, then you'll know that it's going to be a trip to Bramall Lane for Blackburn Rovers, meaning that we're guaranteed to see at least one championship team at Wembley for the semi-finals. You'll also know that Burnley will be off to the Etihad to face Manchester City. One thing I didn't mention when I spoke to Linz is that it'll, of course, be a first return to the Etihad for Vincent Company since he left just a few years ago, which is another interesting narrative to it and Pep Guardiola has already been speaking about it in his presser ahead of this weekend's Premier League games. For Grimsby it's another away draw to another Premier League side from the south coast and with the teams left in this competition that can only be Brighton and Hove Albion and finally it's going to be Manchester United hosting Fulham in the only all Premier League quarter-final match. I've been over a lot there. I'm going to save looking into those games too deeply for now because there will, of course, be a preview pod for the last eight. Keep an eye out for that. If you can't wait until then, you can tweet us at pod, or you can email us pod at gmail.com. Get in touch with anything FA Cup related, really, or with your suggestions for future episodes. Perhaps let us know how you think the quarters are going to go too, if you feel like it. But I'm going to wrap things up there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. And I hope to be in your ears again in just a couple of weeks. <laughs>